KYW Original Podcasts. For more stories about the coronavirus pandemic in Philadelphia, subscribe to KYW In-Depth on the Radio.com app or wherever you listen to podcasts. The coronavirus pandemic from KYW In-Depth. I'm Matt Leon. The pandemic rolls on. The economic fallout from the pandemic continues. We have heard a lot about steps that the Federal Reserve has taken over the last several weeks to try and help keep the gears of the economy moving in the midst of this COVID-19 pandemic. Now, we here at KYW In-Depth think the Federal Reserve is an entity that everyone's kind of heard of in passing, and we all have a vague idea of what it's all about. But given the role it's playing these days, we thought it was important to dig deeper and learn more about what the Federal Reserve is all about. So to do just that, we checked in with Dr. Jonathan Scott, professor and chair of the Department of Finance at Temple University's Fox School of Business. We talk all things Fed. Give a listen. So first off, let's kind of start at square one. People here the Federal Reserve and news and business stories, especially given our current situation. But uh, what is the Federal Reserve? Kind of give us the definition of what the Fed is. The Fed's often considered and is, you know, the central bank of the United States. And some of the listeners may have heard of the Bank of England or Bank of Canada, Bank of Japan. So it's the equivalent. It's a central bank. But it's um, a little bit different. There are, there are 12 district banks, including uh, one here in Philadelphia. And those district banks uh, have various responsibilities, but one of the main ones is to be an integral part of our payment system. And checks are cleared, of course, fewer checks today, but anytime you know businesses are sending large amounts of money or in the stock market, debt markets, the Fed wires used. So you, you've got the 12 banks and then in Washington, you have the Board of Governors that includes some permanent members who are appointed by uh, the president and confirmed by the Senate. And then you have a rotating number of the district uh, bank presidents. This is the group that will receive most of the focus in the press regarding the one of the most important responsibilities of the system, which is monetary policy. But you know, for most individuals, if they wanted to see what their relationship with, was with the Fed, if they still use currency and pull out their wallet and look at paper currency, you'll see that it's a Federal Reserve note. So the Fed, you know, has, uh, you know, responsibility for uh, currency and many of the regulations, consumer regulations, banking regulations, you know, are the responsibility of the Fed as well. Um, many uh, small uh, smaller banks, community banks, you know, are members of the Fed, and the Fed is their primary regulator. Can you explain some of the powers the Fed has utilized to to try and kind of keep the gears of the economy moving during this crisis? We hear a lot. I hear a lot about like opening certain types of lending windows and stuff like that. Sure, within this area of monetary policy, you know, the Fed has responsibility for setting an overnight interest rate, but they also have a function of lender of last resort. And prior to the establishment of the Fed, I think it was 1913, 
the country went through periodic panics and there was no lender of last resort to banks. So that's important. Now, what, what happened in 2008 is that the Fed used its powers under the Federal Reserve Act, and you often hear or read a reference to Section 13.3, which is the powers of the Federal Reserve. And there are many ways that they can be a lender of last resort to institutions and individuals other than banks. So many of these programs that the Fed has rolled out has been um, under the auspices of Section 13.3 as their function you know, of a lender of last resort. These programs have included special funding for short-term debt issued by non-financial corporations. You know, there have been a Main Street lending program, and this is for not so much small businesses, but more medium-sized uh, enterprises. There's been programs for participating in the payment protection plan. Uh, there are programs for purchasing municipal debt, uh, debt issued by state and local governments, and programs for purchasing uh, debt issued by companies, corporate bonds, mortgages, and corporate bonds of companies that are of uh, low credit quality called junk bonds. So these, these programs have been rolled out very fast for our history buffs who know about FDR and LBJ. I've said the feds rolled out these programs faster than either of them could introduce legislation. And it was in part because the fed learned, you know, a lesson in 2008 where they were slow to um, devise programs, you know, in September of 2008, and the markets really seized up. And, and the Fed this time knew that they had to act quickly and with everything they had. Now, interestingly, the Fed's balance sheet has increased you know, $2 trillion. Now that's, for us mere mortals, that's hard to conceive of, but it's up to about $6.5 trillion from $4.5 trillion. So it's, it's increasing, and the take-up on some of these programs has not been that great. But the most important thing that the Fed did was to announce the programs, to may have them ready, and to really reinstill confidence uh, in the markets. You referenced 2008, and that was kind of my next question. And I, I don't want to use the term "lucky" here, but in a way, is it that's only 2008? That's only 12 years ago. There's, I'm sure, a ton of institutional knowledge of what worked and what didn't work. Are we fortunate that we've kind of got that 2008 playbook that the Fed was able to to, to go to and roll this stuff out this quickly? Uh, absolutely. I mean, I think that at that time. You know, there was a great deal of uncertainty. You know, well, can the Fed do this? Should they do this? You know, will it be successful? Up until 2008, banks rarely borrowed from the Fed. You know, a lender of last resort, maybe a couple hundred million dollars, even then on a trillion dollar balance sheet, even under a hundred million dollars. Because if you borrowed from the Fed, 
it was because you were in trouble. So there was the smell of death about you. And anybody who would be lending to a bank on an unsecured basis would run away. So in 2008, the Fed encouraged banks to borrow from directly from them, but then also created, you know, these other programs. So Matt, to answer your question, yes, we were fortunate that there was a playbook. I kept the playbook, you know, rolled out a number of the programs that they had done uh, back in 2008, such as the, this, this term commercial lending program, and, but then also, you know, initiated several others. The biggest difference this time is that the Fed is also using the Treasury as a backstop authority. So the idea is that if the Fed was going to buy these risky uh, corporate bonds, and if 10% of, let's say they bought 100, you know, $100 if 10% of them defaulted, which gives you $10 billion, the Treasury's there to absorb that loss. So, you know, they've, they've created special types of entities, and I don't have to get into the detail, but they've created them such that if there is any risk, and it could be municipal debt, I mean, if you, you think about, you know, the decline in, in revenues and whether there'll be any, you know, money coming in from Washington, some uh, states, and notably, you know, I- Illinois is the one that seems to be uh, quoted the most recently, if those, if, if the Fed owns those bonds and they default, well, then the Treasury is going to make up for that loss. So the participation of the Treasury in these special, these special uh, entities allows the Fed to lend much more. So instead of $10 billion, yeah, the, the Treasury provides, the Fed can lend $100 billion just based on what they think their expected losses might be. Do you expect as this economic situation driven by a health situation drags on, could we see the Fed continue, get more creative and, and bring more to the table as uh, situations uh, demand? Or are there kind of limits to, to how many types of programs and stuff the Fed can provide? That That's a interesting question. Um, some might say the Fed has is now controlling interest rates across maturities through buying their program of buying treasuries, which is what they did in 2008. It was called quantitative easing, but through buying treasuries across maturities, buying uh, mortgage-related, mortgage-backed securities, and now buying corporate debt. So uh, us finance types talk about the credit curve. So in some ways, in the debt markets, the Fed is maybe the most important player at the margin, both on the credit side and just, you know, maturities. So there there may be other programs, uh, but they certainly have um, a pretty expansive presence right now. Do you have concerns, and I don't, as this thing just gets bigger and bigger and we kind of, everything kind of comes in waves, one situation leads to another, do we get to a point where economically there's only so much the Fed, federal government can do? It just becomes too big. I don't mean to be like a Debbie Downer, but this is like unprecedented here, the the kind of the ripple effects. 
Well, I, I think I, th I think there's a couple of concerns. Um, one is how much of a presence is the Fed in credit markets, and do the credit have the credit markets do they become so addicted to the Fed that if the Fed starts to pull out some of its support, you know, do we see you know prices falling or even in the equity markets, you know, prices falling? And now the Fed has to go back in and provide that support. There's a real concern now that this this support you know, might be more than short term. I think another concern is given you know the size of this of, of, of the balance sheet, you know, just how much participation, you know, how, how much authority, you know, or what what percent of the market is the Fed going to be owning? And and is there, there's a concern that could the treasury just be issuing debt that's then immediately bought by the Fed, which would require, you know, some change in regulation, if not legislation. I mean, this, this happened back in the forties, but was ended with an accord, you know, in 1951, keeping just targeting long-term and short-term uh, treasury rates, you know, during World War II. So there's this this concern about the Treasury's relationship with the Fed. More broadly speaking, you know, the more you know, the more debt that's issued relative to the size of the economy, is this going to put us in, in stall speed, you know, for a very long time? Although right now, you know, the most important thing will be to get the, the economy uh, restarted. But will we look like Japan as it has been? you know, since the mid 1990s. And I think, uh, so I think that's, that's another related concern. One of the things I noticed as a, as a layman, I think if I'm not mistaken, Jay Powell was interviewed on the today show a few weeks ago, and I've heard one or two other interviews. And usually you hear like the fed gives brief remarks and, you know, you get the notes of the meeting and stuff like that. Is that, being a little more visible is that the the Fed chair's way of trying to show that they understand what's happening and, and keep people calm. Well, I think so. I think it's been and I a year ago, maybe a year and a half ago, uh, the district banks, you know, were involved in what I might characterize as a listening tour and asking, you know, going out and interviewing individuals about the Fed. And I think that as a result of this, you know, listening tour, uh, there's been, you know, some modification, change in the communication policy, and a little bit of a charm offensive, which isn't a bad thing. I think that what the Fed's doing is complicated. You know, these transactions involving the Treasury, you know, are first loss provisions. These are complicated. And controlling overnight rates. The Fed lowers interest rates. Are they lowering all interest rates? You know, well, just one. You know, is the Fed going to create inflation with all this printing of money, which they really aren't doing yet? And so I, I think that it's it's important that the, 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 the Fed chair be, be visible now, unlike at any time in the past. Um, and ultimately, while the Fed is considered you know, an independent government agency, it's not immune to politics. And I, I would just say that, you know, President Trump's fulminating about uh, 
you know, J-PAL has precedence with, um, you know, with LBJ fulminating uh, William McChesney Martin. So, yeah, there's the, the, the Fed understands there's a political aspect to their existence, even if it's an independent, uh, independent entity. That's it for this episode of KYW In-Depth Coronavirus. For more stories about the coronavirus pandemic here in the Philadelphia area, or if you want to know how what you see or hear on the news is going to change your own life or your own routine, then subscribe to the KYW In-Depth podcast. Search for KYW In-Depth on the Radio.com app, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. My name is Matt Leon, and we'll have another episode out soon. Thank you.